You're listening to the Telltale Channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check out my Patreon. And take a look at my other YouTube channels too. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything I release. All links are in the description. In this podcast, Kat Kerr, self-proclaimed prophet of God, claims that God told her Trump would win the 2024 election. She made the same mistake in 2020 and it went poorly for her. I love this to death. Let's watch her flail around madly as she tries to create new religious doctrine to explain why she was wrong on her last religious doctrine. Ben Shapiro's network, The Daily Wire, produced a comedy movie called Lady Ballers. It's basically about hating trans people. Hilariously, he said he wanted to make a documentary about trans people joining sports teams, but he couldn't find a sports team that would allow it. I'm not sure what he's even complaining about. Bill Cook is a MAGA preacher. He seems to believe Trump is anointed by God. He's a self-proclaimed Christian nationalist. He's been repeating some deeply bizarre things recently, so I want to break down the strangest claims he's made. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send me an email instead, go to owenmorgan.com. Hit the Contact Me button in the menu and send me a message that way. Donald Trump retweeted or reposted this wild video on his uh you know his social media network not too long ago just i talked about it recently just listen to like a second or two of it so you have an idea of what we're talking about because there's a new story there's like an update to this and on june 14th 1946 god looked down on his planned paradise and said i need a caretaker so god gave us trump God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, fix this country, work all day, fight the Marxists, eat supper, then go to the Oval Office and stay past midnight at a meeting of the heads of state. So God made Trump. I mean, that's what we're dealing with, that kind of thing. It's absolutely psychotic. It's just disgusting and bizarre and weird, right? Well, (laughs) interestingly enough, like I said, I have another video about it if you want to see the whole thing. I break it all down, but... The Lincoln Project, I don't know if you guys know the Lincoln Project, they are a Republican group that is anti-Trump. They produced kind of a counter thing, a counter video to that, that I wanted to take a look at. There's a guy that calls in on my voicemail system all the time, but he asked me not to play any of his voicemails because he doesn't like the sound of his voice. So every now and then I'll just talk about something that he brought up. This is one of those things. Listen to the Lincoln Project's counter video to that God made Trump thing. By the way, the uh, God made Trump thing that came out in mid January 2024. This thing came out uh, January 20th, 2024, the counter video to Trump's thing. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a man to test the will and goodness of a free people. So God made a dictator. God said, I need a man who failed in everything but theft and broken promises to live in a golden palace and convince the poor he serves their needs. So God made a dictator. That's really interesting, right? Saddam Hussein was genuinely an absolutely horrifically bad person. And I think they showed Hitler, too. That's kind of, you know, that stands on its own. I don't need to add commentary to that one. God said, I need a wicked man to lead the common folk with hatred and fear. So God made a dictator. God said, I need a corrupt man who is above the law and immune from justice. So God made a dictator. God said, I need a man who will use violence to seize power. So God made a dictator. 
God said, I need a man whose followers will call black white, call evil good, and call criminals hostages. So God made a dictator. God said, I need his political party to obey without question, and the press fear his wrath. So God made a dictator. Isn't that fascinating? I love that the Lincoln Project is out here taking W after W against Trump. That they're absolutely correct here. Like, their assessment of this whole thing is absolutely on point. And I have to wonder how many politicians there are in congress the senate or the house hell federally or state any of them thousands and thousands of congressmen across the country i wonder how many are donating to the lincoln project what percentage do you think it is god i would love to have a bead on on that percentage i would be willing to bet that the the vast majority of congressmen of republican congressmen don't even like trump they're only standing behind him because they know that he's going to, you know, kick it at some point in the near future and they don't want his slime on them before he goes. So God made a dictator. God said, I need a cruel man who uses his power and position to punish and harm his opposition. So God made a dictator. God said, I need a man who breaks the faith of even his most godly followers and leads them to idolatry. Place him above me. So God made a dictator. Dude, I love it. Absolutely. They're they're including fantastic shots here. This is Paula White in the middle. That was his spiritual advisor, I believe, during while he was president. She's an evangelical extremist. She's the strike and strike lady, if you remember that. You know, all these supposed prophets of God, these evangelical nutcases claiming to hear voice uh, hear God's voice telling them that Trump is going to win the election. And on November fourth, the day that the, the voting took place, when it was pretty clear Trump was not, you know, he didn't have a clear path to the victory. When it started to become clear that he lost, Paula White and all the other evangelicals come out and start doing this whole prayer thing to get him in again. Strike and 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 strike until you have victory for every enemy that is aligned against you. Let there be that we would strike the ground for you will give us victory, God. Yeah. So anyway, I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. Okay. I apologize for that one. Anyway, that the point is that she's praying with him. That's fascinating. And take a look at this painting here. Look at this. Is it, is this is like Melania in the bottom right corner. He's draped in a flag covering his junk here. And he's like strung up on a cross. Putin in the background. G. I don't know who this dude is on the the far right, but we've got uh, Kim Jong-un top right, and we've got Pelosi stabbing him with a spear. There is a full-blown Trump religion now. It's not like hyperbole. It's not like this weird little political cult. No, it's a full-blown religion with a whole theology around how Trump is the second coming of Jesus, not in personality. He's not... Jesus reincarnated into a body. He's fulfilling the role that Jesus was expected to fulfill when he returned as the son of man. How does it get clearer? Seriously, I completely agree with what the Lincoln Project is saying here. Made a dictator. God said, I need a man who breaks the faith of even his most godly followers and leads them to idolatry. Place him above me. Oh, yeah. And this whole thing, I understand that what they're doing here. These, these Christian people, this is pretty common. I don't know what this salute is supposed to be, but please pick something other than the Hitler salute in the future. So God made a dictator. And then God said, I sent this man to test you, and until you cast him down, you have failed. I love so it. So God made a dictator. I love it. I love everything about it. 
I sent this man to test you until you cast him down. You have failed. I mean, not for nothing. I don't believe in any of this stuff, right? But if we're taking the Bible at its word and thinking about what these denominations believe about the Antichrist, it's pretty obvious that... Is Trump, like, reading the Bible and figuring out what the qualities of the Antichrist are or something? Because he fits them precisely, like, to a weird degree. I mean, the Antichrist is not actually a person technically in the Bible. The The word that was used in that spot was more like people who are opposed to Jesus. It, it was plural. It wasn't like there. I think there was one spot where it was referring to a singular person. But in another spot, it talked about the Antichrists, multiple people who are opposed to Jesus, the people who are opposed to the Christ. So this whole Antichrist thing is false doctrine. But Whatever. I'm just looking for like a complete nutcase, like extremist Christian website to tell me what the Antichrist is. Since it's false doctrine anyway, we might as well, right? He will arise from the revised Roman Empire? What? <laughs> okay, wow. This one says he is a homosexual, apparently. I don't know where they're getting that from, but all right, whatever. Is he a Jew? He has a number, 666. Okay, let me find a better one because that was garbage. Okay, yeah, here, here's a little bit of a list of what the Antichrist is and some of the qualities he's supposed to hold. He is lawless. Paul calls him the man of sin, literally the man of lawlessness. Oddly specific. He's a destroyer. Paul names the Antichrist as the son of perdition, meaning the son of destruction. He will physically destroy those who oppose him spiritually and eternally destroy all who believe in him and follow him. He opposes God. He opposes and exalts himself against all that is called God. Well, that doesn't help much, does it? Half the world oppose God and exalt themselves over him. But what's unique about the, this opposition is that the Antichrist opposes mainly by substitution. He's a substitute. As anti can mean instead of as well as against, Antichrist can mean replacement Christ instead of Christ. I mean, Like I said, this is all false doctrine. The Antichrist is not what people say it is, but... Let's just play along for a second here. So it means substitute for Christ. Paul confirms this when he says that the Antichrist sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So basically, the Antichrist is going to come in. He's going to be worshipped like a replacement Jesus. Does that sound familiar? Huh. You remember where they said that um, Donald Trump is going to fulfill the role of son of man? The son of man was mentioned in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and it was supposed to be this cosmic judge that comes in and sparks Armageddon. He takes political control of Israel or of God, of the country that is in covenant with God is actually what it is. Well, Jesus never took political control of Israel, so everybody said, well, he, he, he's just going to have to return. He died before he could do that, so he'll be back and he'll take control, uh, political control of Israel, and then he'll bring about God's kingdom. Well, that never happened, but here we have Donald Trump, who did take political control of the country that is in covenant with God in these people's minds. That means that he could possibly be fulfilling the role of Jesus, not actually Jesus, but fulfilling his role. That's where this book comes in right here. President Donald J. Trump, the son of man, the Christ. I've read this whole thing on my Owen Reed's YouTube channel. It's ramblings of a madman, to say the least, but this is a, a totally believed ideology, a believed theology, that Donald Trump is fulfilling the role of son of man. Trump is a substitute for Jesus right now. Like I said, this is false doctrine. The whole Antichrist thing is, is not what the Bible is saying at all. But Trump is acting as a substitute. 
He's a deceiver. The only other person called the son of perdition was Judas. Under cover of professing to be a friend of Christ, he tried to, dis- uh, tried to destroy Christ. I'm sorry. This theme of deception is taken up by Jesus, Paul, and John when describing the Antichrist. In fact, the dominant message from passages dealing with Antichrist is don't be deceived. Just as Satan rarely comes painted red, red with horns, a fork, and a pointy tail, the Antichrist will not come with a big A on his forehead. So the point is that if anybody were the Antichrist, it would be Donald Trump. If there were an Antichrist, it would be him, without a doubt. Absolutely no question. So anyway, I just I thought it was interesting. I wanted to um, give that a listen, or I wanted to think about that, uh, the Lincoln Project's little video on Trump. I thought it was really on point. Let me know what you think about it in the comments. Hi there, this is Trevor from Arizona. Um, I just wanted to ask if you thought within the next few years there might be some sort of schism uh, in the Catholic Church given the uh, alt-right extremism uh, and some of the actions uh, in the U.S. that some of these bishops and whatnot have been taking uh, within the Catholic Church. Uh, I just thought it would be interesting to hear your view on that. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. That is an interesting uh, question. I know that the I, I think the Pope has basically re- like removed certain bishops and priests and stuff from power, right, in the United States. I think in Texas specifically, because the Pope is a lot lighter on the LGBT community and on evolution than some of these right wing extremist Catholic priests are. And I believe that he removed their rights to practice as a priest, to give communion or whatever it is priests do in the Catholic religion. Yeah, there are a lot of um, schisms happening right now, but I don't think there's going to be a major schism. I think that the Pope is too respected among the, you know, among Catholics for there to be any real schism. Some churches will, will break off here and there without a doubt, but it's not going to be like the break between like the Orthodox Church and the Eastern Orthodox and the whatever else. Guess time will tell, though, right? Owen, this is Ryan. I'm from Oregon, and I've been watching your show for about two years now. And I have to say, I'm a really big fan. Um, I come from a right-wing Christian family, and uh, recently they've been spouting off about QAnon and how much they agree with them. Oh boy, that's not good. That never ends well. um, I'm a part of the LGBTQ as a Hispanic person from a Hispanic family, and I was wondering, I wanted your opinion on this. Um, Every time I try talking to my parents about, um, like, left-wing perspective of my own perspective um they always say i'm brainwashed and that the election is going to be rigged by the left and that they're going to release covid number three to stop the republicans from voting for the correct political party so i just wanted to know your opinion on that thank you love your show bye yeah appreciate the voicemail that's a super common belief surprisingly that you know covid's going to come back and haunt everybody and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Greg Locke actually talked about that forever ago. Uh, He was talking about his ability to cure people of bipolar disorder by praying over them. I'm not even joking. Just 
Just listen to this. This is uh, early April 2022. Some of you have given the devil legal authority and grounds and rights to your life because you believe the medical diagnosis when a doctor looks you in the face and says, well, what you have is bipolar disorder. What you have is a spirit that needs to be cast out so you can have some peace is what you've got. He says the same thing about autism. I'm not even joking. He says it's a demon that possesses people, the, the demon of autism. And if you just pray over somebody who's autistic, then suddenly they're not anymore. <laughs> I'm not even kidding here. Multiple personality disorder. It's demonization is what it is, 1,000%. I don't care what the newspaper says. We see it every week. Did you know that we could go to a, a crazy house right now? Moaning, screaming, crying, and all they do is keep them doped up on medication and keep them worse. Get them off that medication for about 45 hours and let me and the deliverance team walk up in one of them crazy houses with some Bibles and some anointing oil. And I'm telling you, we can cast out the spirit of multiple personality, insanity, madness, the lunatic spirit. Dude, I'm telling you, this guy believes that he's some kind of a special exorcist who's capable of curing literally anything. I think it's interesting to note that uh, we're getting to the point where the, this is relevant to the voicemail. But I do think it's interesting to note that there's a guy known as the Go 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 guy in Greg Locke's church. Patrick, I think is the name of I forget now. Anyways, he would always yell Go 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 in the background when Greg Locke said something, you know, poignant or whatever. He died of a blood clot in his liver. It wasn't sudden, though. He was in the hospital for a while leading up to that. Uh, I don't know, like uh, a few days at least. And Greg Locke visited him and prayed over him and everything and couldn't save him. He couldn't save him. That was the real test, wasn't it? Greg Locke has a guy in his church who, in Greg Locke's mind, doesn't deserve any of this, has always been loyal to God and to Greg since day one. Every church service, he's there screaming, go, go, go in the background. Greg Locke is capable of curing people and he chooses not to. He's still preaching that he's capable of curing anything right now, even after the go, go, go guy died. And we keep listening because it's about to be relevant to the voicemail here. So look, don't come at me with all your medical terminology nonsense. I believe what the Bible says. Bible doesn't say anything about COVID or curing all illnesses with, you know, demonic exorcisms or whatever. There's a verse in the, the very end of the book of Mark that was added by people long 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 after the fact way after mark was written some other christians came in and added to it because they didn't like that that was the end of the story we know this beyond a shadow of a doubt this was added later the last half of the last chapter of mark doesn't belong there and fascinatingly that little section is greg Locke's justification for the belief that he's capable of exercising demons from people I find it interesting that that section of the Bible also says people be able to drink poison and pray in tongues, but he doesn't do either of those things. Huh. Says, I don't care what Sister Wigglejaw and Dr. Bottlestopper says. Huh? Well, we have to believe everything the doctor says. That's why churches shut down during COVID, because they believed everything doctors said. Okay, churches didn't shut down during COVID. I don't know of a single church that shut down during COVID. I know of a whole bunch of churches that held their services on Zoom or held them outside or spaced their chairs out or whatever. 
They weren't shutting down and ending the community. This guy lives in a fantasy land. And now you don't hear anything about that nonsense. Now it's all gone. It'll be back during midterms. Don't worry. It'll be back. This is what I'm talking about with Greg Locke. This is a whole belief system. This is the type of rabbit hole that these people have found themselves in. They believe that COVID was this manufactured thing that was designed to end religion and, I don't know, hurt God's people and all this other nonsense. It's insane. It is different reality stuff, straight up. I appreciate the voicemail on that. I'm sorry you got to deal with that. I know that can't be fun. Just keep pushing through. Make sure you find a community of people who understand what you're going through. Because that's, that's, that's rough. Hey, Owen. This is KJ of Dogluck from your Twitch chat. And I'm really just want to thank you for the work that you're doing. As you know from the chat, I am Christian. Um, <laughs> and I appreciate your work. I bet sometimes even more than than your fellow atheists. So I really appreciate what you do. Thank you so very much. I can't wait to get your book. Hey, I was wondering, Owen, um, how can I help with the book? One and two, if you don't need help or done or whatever, and that was my dog Steppenwolf. Uh, where can we get your book? Awesome name for a dog, Steppenwolf. Love it. Should have a baby named Magic Carpet Ride. So my dogs, Steppenwolf, Rogi, and Samson, say hello to your kitty cat, uh, Mickey, and I'm sorry, I forgot the other one's name. Mickey and Cashmere are my cats. And love you, Owen, and love to your family. Take care, my friend. Was he born to be wild? <laughs> Is that uh, Steppenwolf? I didn't know that that song was Steppenwolf. Anyway, uh, yeah, thank you. I'm so glad that you, uh, you like my work and uh, glad to see you in chat. Every single day that I'm streaming on Twitch, or YouTube or whatever. I see KJ Dog Love in there. Anyways, yeah, the book. I am just about. I, I'm it, all the all the words are down on the page now. I just had to reorganize the words into something cohesive, something that made sense. I wasn't sure where to place the shunning chapter in relation to paganism or the hundred and forty four thousand or you know, their apocalyptic beliefs. I didn't know where, you know, how those things were ordered. So I decided to order it chronologically. I start out with Charles Taze Russell, the Charles Taze Russell era. This is what they believed basically since the beginning. And I have two chapters on that. And then two chapters on the Rutherford era, the hostile takeover that he did, renaming the religion, claiming to have the divine mandate from God himself, banning beards, condemning evolution, banning Christmas, a whole bunch of other things, naming everything paganism. And then I move on to the Knorr era, Nathan Knorr, K-N-O-R-R. I have two chapters on, or no, three chapters on Knorr, I'm sorry. In the Knorr era, he built out some schools, Gilead, and he basically hired some full-time preachers, and that program exists to this day. He was very influential, nor was, on the preaching work, if you will. He also instituted the shunning policy. It was under him that it was pushed. Nathan Knorr also instituted the no-blood policy, although it was Fred Franz, the next president, who really pushed for the no-blood policy. He was Nathan Knorr's vice president. It was like the last two years of Knorr's reign that Fred Franz pushed no-blood. And to my knowledge, I believe, I don't know if I even put this in the book because I don't know if I had enough evidence to justify putting it in, but I 
think I, I may I may still add it if I can find the evidence for it, but I, I believe that Fred Franz instituted the no blood transfusion policy because he thought that it would garner attention in the outside world and he wanted attention from outsiders good or bad so after that i hit the preaching work you know gilead and all that and then i hit shunning i talk about shunning since that was instituted under him and then i talk about the two witness rule because shunning and two witness rule kind of go hand in hand so then i have a chapter on fred franz and his bad decisions joining the united nations even though they call it like the great beast what else did i have in Fred Fran Fred Franz's bad decisions. I included the no blood policy under Fred Franz because he was so influential with it. Talked about Ray Franz, his nephew who defected from the governing body. Talked about the fact that they kept flip-flopping on whether or not organ donations were okay. Flip-flop, flip-flop. They're okay, they're not. They're okay, they're not. And I also talk about the fact that the official Watchtower policy was that if you get an organ donation, then you will inherit some of the donator's personality. I also talk about their end times predictions. Stay alive to 75. There was a saying that they had because they believed the end was coming in 1975. Again, another failed end times prediction. I talk about their year 2000 prophecy because that was technically done under Fred Franz in 1989. I talk about the second generation teaching since it, I don't know if it was instituted in under Fred Franz's thing. I don't think so, but... The second generation teaching hinges on Fred Franz heavily. Then I talk about the great beast, the United Nations, and the fact that Fred Franz, uh, the, the Watchtower Society under Fred Franz's leadership joined the great beast right at the end. They joined in 91. Well, they applied for entry as an NGO to the United Nations in 91. They were approved in 92. Fred Franz left the governing body in 92, so... That's the Fred Franz chapter. By the way, if you want to get this, owenmorgan.com slash book. I appreciate you bringing that up, so I had an opportunity to mention it. Not ready for pre-orders yet, but soon. I will be soon. The next chapter after Fred Franz, it, it's all modern stuff beyond that. I talk about my story. That's chapter nine. How my family joined, how I joined, my like dealing with my dad when I was younger, dealing with my mom and then leaving the religion and what it took to get out, basically. And wait, what, what was the other thing? Oh, I talk about what made me realize that I needed to get out. And then I talk about the fact that I was a spy for the Watchtower, against, I'm sorry, against the Watchtower Society. I was spying on the Watchtower Society for 10 years, and they have no idea. This is information that I have mentioned once or twice, I think, but not very publicly. This is kind of a groundbreaking admission that may get back to them and may not be very good if it does. <laughs> i just give you guys a little idea of what happened. I maintained the servers for Jehovah's Witnesses payment processing system for 10 years recently. In the past, while I had my channel, while I had my YouTube channel, I was doing this. So I talk about that in detail. That's pretty good reason to get the book. Uh, let's see. After chapter nine, I've got the hierarchy and culture, basically how the congregations are structured, what a kingdom hall is, what Bethel is, what kingdom melodies are, how a meeting progresses beginning to end. I talk about their translation of the Bible and everything. I, like, I wanted to communicate the culture of Jehovah's Witnesses in this chapter. I wanted you to like, if you knew nothing about the religion, I want you to be able to like connect with it and understand 
because I, I talk to Mormons all the time and they're using terms that I've heard, but I don't understand what happens at a temple meeting. Exactly. Like walk me through step by step. What happens? You you walk up to the door and then what? You know, they talk about odd things, but I don't have context for those odd things. You know, they talk about baptizing the dead and stuff. Yeah, that's weird. But what else happens? How does it lead up to that? You know, do you have to scan a little pass to get in, I understand. Do you still use the hand gestures? How long did you use those little handshakes? Do you, you know, what do you do? Do you walk into the hall? Do you sit down? Are there, is there a question and answer section? Is there a pool in the back where you baptize the dead? I don't know. That's the stuff that I want to know. And Mormons are usually talking to other ex-Mormons, so they don't feel the need to communicate that stuff. So I wanted to do that for Jehovah's Witnesses. I wanted to, or for, you know, non-Jehovah's Witnesses who've never been a part of the religion. I want to give you the context necessary to understand everything about the religion. I walk through the, the Sunday meetings and the Wednesday meetings, beginning to end from the moment I wake up to the moment I get home. I want to talk about what it's like to go in service, what's expected of you, and the, the bags that you have. You have two different bags, you know, one for the meeting, one for service, for example. I talk about the structure of the congregation, ministerial servants, elders, presiding overseer, which is now coordinator for the body of elders, I think, or something. Talk about the conventions, what that's like. I talk about the whole baptism process beginning to end. I just wanted to communicate what it's all about, you know. Next chapter, I talk about their apocalyptic beliefs, like the their end times prophecies, when the book of Daniel was written, interpreting the book of Daniel, how it's actually supposed to be interpreted. I talk about the fact that they believe Michael, the archangel, is Jesus, and I debunk that. I talk about Nebuchadnezzar's statue. It's a verse in Daniel that they built this whole bizarre thing off of. Talk about the king of the north, their beliefs about that, and the fact that it's actually about the Sixth Syrian War, not about whatever other nonsense they thought it was about. Then I talk about Armageddon. What's going to happen in the end? Again, I, I know ex-Jehovah's Witnesses know this stuff. I want to communicate it to a non-Jehovah's Witness audience. That was my goal, you know. So I talk about it beginning to end. What do Jehovah's Witnesses expect is going to happen when everything goes down? Armageddon. And then I talk about the new system. What's going to happen after Armageddon? Who goes to heaven? Who doesn't? What are the people who stay on earth going to do? That kind of thing. Just trying to draw out their doctrine for people who don't know. I talk about Tony Morris and his whole kerfuffle, if you will, the Tony Morris kerfuffle. <laughs> God, he's just, he deserved his own chapter. I didn't include a chapter for every governing body member, just him. I talk about famous Jehovah's Witnesses, Prince, Serena Williams, Charlemagne the God, Ja Rule, Biggie. You know, Notorious B.I.G., yeah, he was affiliated with Jehovah's Witnesses. Selena Gomez, Childish Gambino, Dave Mustaine from Metallica and Megadeth, uh, Michael Jackson. Talk about all of that stuff and how money and fame are viewed inside of the religion. That's chapter 14. Then 15 is Goodbye Larry. I talk about the guy that brought me to baptism, you know, from non-Jehovah's Witness to Jehovah's Witness. And... um. Yeah, and never talking to the guy again. It was super sad. Talk about the, the questions that Jehovah's Witnesses are supposed to be able to answer before joining the religion. It's called the 100 questions. That's how my congregation referred to it. There are things like, why is it important for you to use God's personal name? 
Do you believe that the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses is the faithful and discreet slave? Why do people die? How many people go to heaven to rule with Jesus? You know, it's just questions that you have. Doctrinal questions, lifestyle questions. They have them separated into two sections. What scriptures can help you remain separate from the world when choosing a job? Why should we abstain from the non-medical use of addictive or mind-altering substances? That, that type of deal, you know. And then I talk about the two questions you have to answer when you're baptized. Have you repented of all your sins, de dedicated yourself to Jehovah, accepted his way of salvation through, through Jesus Christ? And do you understand that your baptism identifies you as one of Jehovah's Witnesses in association with Jehovah's organization? And then I talk about what it's, you know, the whole process of sitting in the front row at the convention, being asked these questions, walking to the back room to get changed, walking out to the pool, getting dunked, and walking out. Uh, I talk about that whole process. And then at the very end, I say, this is like the last paragraph of my book. I say, after listing the questions the governing body has for Jehovah's Witnesses or prospective ones, I say, I have a few questions of my own for the governing body. Think of it like a Jehovah's Witness CES letter. If you're familiar with Mormonism, you'll get the reference. I've included a list of questions that are about the length of a Watchtower magazine. There are questions the society can't or won't answer. I'll also make the questions available separately from the book in case anybody wants to pass them out to Jehovah's Witnesses you might know. The practice of trying to deconvert active Jehovah's Witnesses is colloquially called unwitnessing by ex-Jehovah's Witnesses. If Jehovah really is out there, he certainly isn't happy with the Watchtower Society. They changed his name from Yahweh and spoke on his behalf. So in that spirit, I hope you all appreciate this loving... I hope you all appreciate the loving materials provided as food at the proper time. May God bless your efforts. That's the end of chapter 15, and then it moves into chapter 16, which is basically a 10,000-word long chapter that acts as its own separate book, probably about that thick, not very thick. It's just a small thing that will not be the price of a normal book, obviously. It'll be very inexpensive, and I'll sell it separately. And it's, the, it's 100 questions that I have for the governing body. Why do Jehovah's Witnesses insist the name of God is Jehovah when it's not, when the Tetragrammaton is YHWH, and they know that. Why do you believe Michael is the Archangel? I'm sorry, why do you believe Michael the Archangel is also Jesus? And then I give context for the questions, point out why they're wrong. I talk about the fact that Jerusalem fell in 586, not 606 BCE, which throws a wrench into their entire belief system. I talk about their child sexual abuse case and the problems with it. I talk about their failed prophecies, all 15,000 of them talk about their shunning policy, why it's not biblical, the fact that they believed that it was pagan until 1947 and then switched in 1952. I talk about their pagan practices. Lent, Olympics are, are pagan, throwing rice is pagan, rosary is pagan, democracy is pagan, mazes and labyrinths are pagan, the cross is pagan, hell is pagan, the immortality of the soul, clerical celibacy, philosophy such as Taoism and Confucianism, they're pagan. Throwing soil into a grave is pagan. Drawing halos on religious figures is pagan. The twist and other forms of dancing are pagan. I talk about the complete absurdity of the idea that all of these things are pagan. I also debunk the idea that Christmas is pagan. It is not. The day of December 25th is a fully Christian date. Christmas trees are fully Christian traditions, not pagan. I talk about the things that that do have pagan roots that are still allowed. Wedding rings, pinatas, toasting is on my list, but it shouldn't be. Okay. Toasting is pagan and not allowed, but wind chimes are pagan, but allowed. 
A veil on a bride is pagan, but allowed. Bridesmaids having the same color as a bride is pagan, but allowed. Wedding cake, pagan, but allowed. Flowers in a funeral, pagan, but allowed. You know, there's so much hypocrisy here. Uh, then I talk about dancing for like 20 minutes. Uh, mazes and labyrinths, hell, I go into the details about all this stuff. Birthdays, I talk about toasting in great detail. Then I talk about Joseph Rutherford in this final chapter, about all of the messed up stuff that he said and did. Oh, my God. Talk about blood transfusions and their misinterpretations. Flip-flopping flip on organs, organ donations. And then I talk about false teachers and the fact that Deuteronomy 18.22 says, if somebody tells you they speak for God, but they don't, you should ignore them. You should not be afraid. They spoke presumptuously. You should not be afraid of them anymore. And that is the justification. That is the note. that That's the final message that I hope people will need to finally free themselves from the shackles that Jehovah's Witnesses have put on them. So anyway, that's the book in a nutshell. It's very long. It's 100 and, what 130,000 words right now, I think. Not counting the citations. I have citations all through this puppy. Oh, my God. I'm citing so much stuff, it's ridiculous. You don't even know. So anyways, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I may have like 30 or 40 pages of citations alone. If you want to keep up with when this is releasing, just go to owenmorgan.com slash book. I appreciate your interest, and thank you for asking uh, KJDog Love. Like I said, I will be selling the book separately. The book itself, my story and my everything, and the 100 questions for the governing body will be separate. And if you pre-order, I'm thinking I might send one of each to you. Just buy the book like normal, and I'll send an extra one at the end. Next up, Kat Kerr, self-proclaimed prophet of God, claims that God told her Trump would win the 2024 election. She made the same mistake in 2020, and it went poorly for her. I love this to death. Let's watch her flail around madly as she tries to create new religious doctrine to explain why she was wrong on her last religious doctrine. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon, and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. To those who chose to cheat and steal and lie, they shall have every curse come upon them that they have spoken over my president, Donald J. Trump. This is Kat Kerr. If you're unfamiliar, she is a supposed prophet of God. Excuse me while the cat hops down. She prophesied back in 2020 that Donald Trump is going to win the election in a landslide, quote unquote. That's what those are the words she used in a landslide. And what happened? She failed. Her prophecy failed miserably. She lied. She claimed to hear the voice of God when she did not. And what did she do in reaction? Well, it started out with her attempting to redefine the word landslide. I'll show you that clip in a minute. And then it moved to her absolutely losing her mind and blaming everybody else for her mess up. Well, she's out here again talking about the 2024 election. She failed on the 2018 midterms. She failed on 2020. She failed in 2022, claimed that there would be a red wave when there was not, and now She's doing it for 2024. Is she ever going to learn her lesson? Check this clip out. This one is from mid-January 2024. I get information all the time from Don Jr. And they do know that Trump has heard some of the things I've said before. 
she has a, a direct line to Don Jr. That doesn't surprise me. The guy, I mean, maybe Don Jr. has been on this Facebook page. I'm not sure. But Eric Trump has absolutely been on here multiple times. Eric Trump is is very integrated into this section of like alternative media or of like independent media, if you will, commentary, news commentary and stuff. Because God said it. it wasn't me. It was God saying it to him. Right. So Trump hasn't listened to Kat Kerr. He's listened to God through Kat Kerr. Totally. And I just want you to know God's not giving up on anything yet. And as long as Trump doesn't, Trump's still going to get his other four years that is due him. And That's really good. The elections, it may or may not happen to the elections, but I will just say this uh, from heaven's mouth. Trump will have four more years. No matter what anybody thinks about it or wants to see it happen, it will happen. This is just cringy and painful, man. The reason she's saying this is because there's an old prophecy from, I don't know, 20, uh, 2016, I think. Guy named Kim Clement, he's dead now, but he was a, a prophet, quote unquote, another prophet who claimed that he was receiving divine information about Donald Trump from God. And he said Trump is going to win the election. And everybody's like, oh, this is a proper prophecy from this guy because he said something was going to happen and then it happened. I mean, Trump had been talking about running for president like forever leading up to that. He's talking about it all the way back in 2012. Hell, wasn't Trump talking about it in like 08 or something? I mean, he's been talking about it forever. And this guy says that Trump's going to win. Yeah, yeah, of course he's going to run at the very least. And whether or not he's going to win is kind of a coin toss. It landed in Trump's favor at the time. But that's not a prophecy. That's an educated guess at best. If it's something that some rando who has no link to God, supposedly, could guess. It's not a prophecy. Anyways, um, the prophecy basically says that Trump is going to win and he's going to have eight years. That's part of it. He must have eight years. That was Kim Clement's prophecy. And he's going to basically be like God's anointed guy. He's going to fulfill the role on earth that Jesus was going to fulfill, that everyone expected Jesus to fulfill. The son of man, the role of son of man. He's going to bring Armageddon about and he's going to restore God's kingdom on earth. And blah, 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 blah. It, it just it didn't work. It didn't work when Trump lost the second election. It didn't make any sense to these guys because he was supposed to get two terms. And that means this, this is not a prophet, a proper prophecy. Apparently, April 2007. This that shall take place shall be the most unusual thing. A transfiguration, a going into the marketplace, if you wish, into the news media. Uh, this is just complete nonsense. What does that even mean? This that shall take place shall be the most unusual thing, a transfiguration, going into marketplace, if you wish, into... What? It's just complete garbage. He's just saying random words that don't go next to each other. When Time Magazine will have no choice but to say what I want them to say. Newsweek, what I want to say. Okay, so he's saying that media arms are going to start saying what I get. What is he speaking for God? What God wants him to say? Okay. The view, what I want to say. Trump shall become a trumpet, says the Lord. What does that mean? Trump will become a trumpet. I don't understand. Does that mean he's just going to talk all the time? Didn't he do that before? Trump 
shall become a trumpet. I will raise up the Trump to become a trumpet and Bill Gates to open up the gate of a financial realm for the church, says the Lord. Okay, that didn't happen. Bill Gates opening up the gate of a financial realm. What? For the church? What, what's he even talking about? None of this stuff happened. This is not a proper prophecy. I hope everybody can see that, right? This is just him speaking nonsense at random and picking out things that may or may not have kind of halfway come true. He says, For God said, I will not forget 9-11. I will not forget what took place that day. And I'll not forget the gatekeeper that watched over New York, who will once again stand and watch over this nation, says the Spirit of God. Okay, well, who's this alleged gatekeeper? That he's talking about was it bill gates because that's what he was talking about a second ago bill gates right like this is a perfect example of people like cat kerr retroactively going back and looking at what these people said and trying to piece meaning together so anyways that's cat kerr that's what she's all about hilariously she built this whole theology off of kim clement and others that believed that trump was a prophet or, or like a messiah or an anointed one for God. She was so confident that she had correctly interpreted Kim Clement's gibberish nonsense that she went out there and put her reputation on the line. What little reputation she had. This is from early November 2020. This was after the votes had been counted, when it was clear that Trump was not winning. If he was going to win, it was not it, it wasn't going to be a landslide by any stretch of the imagination. It was going to be like this close at best. We finally discovered that Trump just lost in 2020. But listen to her reaction when she realized she was wrong. And if you will remember, one of the things he had me say was that Trump would win by a landslide. Oh, I remember. Okay. Now, in man's mind, in their human mind, they already put together what they think that means. You mean the English language has meaning? Certain words have meanings. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I understand the word landslide to mean exactly what everyone else understands it to mean. Something really big is going to happen and it's going to be like by a mile and a half. There's going to be no question about who won. Huh. Weird. Right. Many times, as we know in the word or even just from experience ourselves, especially as a prophet, that doesn't ever mean what man thinks it means profit those who have been perpetrating the lie have been paid to commit lies or stealing or cheating is that me am i have i been like committed to perpetrating the lie or whatever it was she said you see my cat behind me climbing onto a that chair spins i hope it doesn't like spin and knock his feet out from under him that'd be really sad right <laughs> anyway no he he did it successfully will begin to get very nervous. They're actually already nervous. And let me tell you, conviction is going to come upon some of them in the lower levels. That's what he meant about the landslide. This who is they, Kat? Who is this ambiguous they who controls everything and orchestrated the greatest heist to ever take place in human history to steal an election like this? Who are these they people you're talking about? The lower levels, that's what he meant about the landslide. The smaller rocks move first, which pulls the bigger ones down. And that's what he meant when he said Trump will win by a landslide. So there's, there you go. That's the difference between revelation and what man in their head thinks that means. 
this is this is ridiculous, right? Kat Kerr said Trump is going to win in a landslide. We all knew what that meant. We knew what she meant by that. And she knew what she meant by that. She meant Trump is going to win by a lot. That's what landslide victory means. And now she has to back up off of it because she was wrong. After that, she straight up with a straight face claimed that Trump was going to take the presidency back in the middle of the term. Biden was going to be removed from office and replaced with Trump. Of course, that never happened. And, uh, you know, as time went on and she's getting more infuriated by the fact that she stuck her foot in her mouth, she kept going on these shows and complaining about it. This one was from this is the one I played in the intro. This is from late January 2021. This is actually immediately after Biden was inaugurated, after Trump had very clearly lost and Biden was the president. And that was all there was to it. I say this is my land and these are my people and I have raised them up for such a time as this. My people have prayed, they have fasted, they have called on my name and I will not turn a deaf ear unto them, but to the lost, to the wicked, to those who chose to cheat and steal and lie, they shall have every curse come upon them that they have spoken over my president, Donald J. Trump. I mean, she's speaking with God's voice right now, supposedly. Why is God losing his on everybody instead of just fixing this? Isn't he omnipotent and omniscient? Can't he do whatever he wants at any moment? Why is he screaming at people through this pink-haired woman? I say he is the president. He won. And in 2021, you will see that he won. Ooh, yeah, we are a little bit past that now. Oops, just picked a whole bouquet of oopsie-daisies, didn't we? And I say I will replace the one who boldly dares to step upon the platform of my country and say it is his, for he has an evil, wicked agenda. I will not approve that agenda. Like, it's just weird to me that Biden very obviously was inaugurated as the president and he's been running everything as the president this whole time. And she knows she was wrong about all of this. But does she question her ability to communicate with God? You can only be wrong so many times before you have to admit to yourself and everybody around you that you're wrong, don't you? I just don't get how she hasn't come to that conclusion. How is she here? Let me jump forward a little bit because, oh, God, sadly, we don't have time to, to listen to her scream nonstop in this video. And I will hold him to that. And I say there will be no place for him to hide, no place for him to go, and no one who is attached to him. Anyway, yeah, she was miffed. So that was late January, right? Well, there's this kind of sovereign citizen slash QAnon belief that after uh, the Union and the Confederacy rejoined after Reconstruction, when they rejoined, they rejoined as a corporation rather than as the U.S. government. The U.S. government, the federal government, still exists, but there are no employees of it. No one was ever elected president again. There have only ever been 17 U.S. presidents. It's complete pseudo-legal nonsense. It's not true at all, but that's the belief. That's a QAnon belief. This is how these people arrived at Donald Trump is secretly the president, if you were wondering. So they believe that there have only been 17 presidents, uh, I think 17 or 16, Abraham Lincoln was the last one, or maybe Ulysses S. Grant. Anyway, there have only been like 17 presidents, and every law or, or modification to the Constitution or whatever that, that was passed 
from that moment on is null and void. There was a law passed to change the inauguration date from March 4th to January 20th. Yeah, January 20th. Uh, I don't even remember. The 1920s, maybe? After Reconstruction is the point. So they got it in their minds. When I say they, I'm talking about Kat Kerr and other QAnon prophets, if you will. They got it in their heads that Trump was secretly going to be inaugurated as the real president of the the real United States government, the the 18th president or whatever, for the first time in 100-something years, on March 4th. And Biden was just going to be kicked out because everyone's going to recognize the, the whole sovereign citizen belief and Secret Service is going to have to be loyal to the real president, which was Trump and all that other junk. So leading up to March 4th, Kat Kerr decides to command Donald Trump to enter into office. She says that she's speaking for God, of course, as always, right? This is early March, just a few days before the 4th, uh, 2021. Right now, I declare and I call forth our president to take his rightful place, Trump, to come forth right now Step into your destiny that God gave you, called you, appointed you, and anointed you for this time to declare over America, to help America. This is his choice, and we call you forth right now in the name of Jesus Christ, who is with you, who will always be with you. The people are with you. The prophets of God are with you. The military is with you. So come forth. Step into your destiny now, saith the Lord. Saith the Lord. She used her little stick, swung that bad boy around all over the place, and claimed that she was speaking for God. She's not the only one. I mean, this seems like a one-off case of, of absolute, unadulterated nutter buttery, but that's not what this is. This is a movement, a real movement, and it's full of televangelists, like reputable people this thing where she was screaming earlier this thing right here he won and in 2021 you will see that he won this is on kenneth copeland's tv network the victory channel you can like this is no different than cartoon network or fox or cbs or whatever and they they've got this whole movement showing up on the victory channel saying stuff like this so anyways obviously that whole march 4th thing never happened and they, but did that change their minds? Did that sway them at all? Of course not. Six months after the March 4th thing, she comes out here. She has more to say about it. By the way, if you just zoom in right here a little bit, take a look. You see what, you see what her shirt says? Commander Cat. She's wearing camouflage. She's in a camouflage shirt. Says Commander Cat on it. And what's more, she's got this badge that looks like the Star Trek badge. It's a badge for the Space Force. I am not even joking. You think I'm joking? Oh, no. This is real. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love everything about it. Anyway, so she had more to say. Commander Cat. Because, you know, she controls God's angelic armies, of course. For in, in, in the name of Donald Trump. To get him reelected. Anyway, listen to what <laughs> Commander Cat had to say. This country... Hello, we have someone who's truly in charge. Hello. Who is not the one who's sitting there now. Right, uh, right. Trump was 
inaugurated secretly in March. Dummies. Jeez. Uh, Our president is legitimate. And his name is Donald Trump. I'm just going to say it. Dude, I love everything about it. And they're going to find out anyway. Just like God said, he will do with him what he wants to do. The other ones are illegitimate. And every this is a crazy thing. A hundred million people know it. And you can't come and take a country away from people who aren't participating. Great. Don't participate. I don't care if you participate or not. Biden is still the president. And he's still been the president this entire time. And Trump even acknowledges that he is the president. These people live in a fantasy land. Yeah. They are not participating. They don't like anything. That- oh, 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 I'm sorry. And one more thing. Donald Trump did not get 100 million votes. Okay, he got like 73 million or something. Biden got 81.2 million. Trump got 74.2 million. So there you go. Trump got 47%. uh, Biden got 51.5%. Not 100 million. Like, it's a little thing. I don't want him to stretch this and rewrite history. Yeah. They are not participating. They don't like anything that's being said. They're not a part of it. So people can't judge America. America has not fallen. America is not wicked, okay? It's the people who are trying to be in charge. We the people, moral majority, and most of them born again, Christians, don't want what's happening. We didn't ask for it. We didn't vote for it, people. And guess what? God is going to do something about it. So the the whole moral majority thing, I believe that came from, uh, what's his name, Jerry Falwell Sr.? He claimed that there was a the the majority of America agreed with him and his extremist positions, and they just had to like alert the moral majority to what was happening around them, and they would wake up and vote in their favor. In reality, the majority of America is moral. They don't believe in any of this nonsense that they're spouting off here. They just don't. They're not engaged. Anyways, Kat Kerr is absolutely shameless. Now, with that context in mind, listen to her clip from earlier one more time. I get information all the time from Don Jr. And they do know that Trump has heard some of the things I've said before. So she's getting info from Don Jr. Who says Donald Trump Sr. has heard Kat Kerr speak. Because God said it. It wasn't me. It was God saying it to him. And I just want to know God's not giving up on anything yet. And as long as Trump doesn't, Trump's still going to get his other four years that is due him. That's really good. The elections, it may or may not happen to the elections, but I will just say this uh, from heaven's mouth. Trump will have four more years. No matter what anybody thinks about it or wants to see it happen, it will happen. Okay, great. Well, I mean, she said that like four years ago or whatever, so I'm a little hesitant to believe that. But you know what? Okay, I'll be watching for it. If it does happen, it will be a complete shot in the dark guess you had absolutely no influence over it but i'll be watching let me know what you think about cat kerr i'm deeply entertained by this person i don't know what it is it's just hilarious tell me what you think next up ben shapiro's network the daily wire produced a comedy movie called lady ballers it's basically about hating trans people hilariously he said he wanted to make a documentary about trans people joining sports teams but he couldn't find a sports team that would allow it i'm not sure what he's even complaining about we'll be right back don't forget to check out my patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored ad-free complete videos all links are in the description this whole Mm. concept of men competing against women in women's sports is absurd it's it's ridiculous it is it's laughable 
This is Matt Walsh. If you're unfamiliar, he is part of the Daily Wire. So the Daily Wire, run by Ben Shapiro, produced this movie called Lady Ballers. And I happened across a hilarious little clip from Ben Shapiro that I don't know if he wanted anybody to see or not. I don't know why he would say such a thing as he said in this clip. So he's sitting here talking to his CEO of the company, I think, Jeremy Boring, about producing the film Lady Ballers. Let's just watch like a little uh, trailer to Lady Ballers so you have an idea of what it is. I'm sure I don't even need to say this. It's an anti-trans movie, of course. Let's cut to the chase. I know you're not a woman. You don't know how he identifies. If you can beat them. What do you know about the U.S. Opens for the Global Games? You want us to compete as one $5,000 prizes. My lover says you were a great coach back in the day. Join. This is the way the world is now. My eight-year-old daughter told me all about it. So a guy can become a girl with no physical changes at all. That's called gender fluid. So anyway, that's the, like a little jump into the trailer. I, I really hope I don't get a copyright hit for that. Anyways, that's what it's about. You get the idea, right? It's an anti-trans, nonsensical movie that's supposed to be a comedy that also represents reality when it absolutely doesn't. I say it doesn't represent reality, but I'm not the only one that feels that way, as it turns out. Listen to Ben Shapiro talking to his his guy here, um, Jeremy Boring. This clip, by the way, is from early December 2023. You approached me and you said we should make a fictional film about this topic. Now, to be fair, I think I'd actually suggested to the Crane Boys that they do this as a doc. Yes. I, I originally went to them and I said... You guys should like go try out for a bunch of ladies leagues. So they were going to do a documentary about trying out for women's sports and and playing in them. Okay, go on. How did that go for you, Ben? That became not possible because, as it turns out, most ladies leagues don't allow in actual men. You don't say. Really? Are you trying to tell me that you are starting this gigantic culture war over absolutely nothing? Huh. Color me surprised. Knock me over with a feather. It's completely made up outrage. How about that? Who saw that one coming? Men, and uh, they weren't willing to go the full distance in terms of what it would require in order to, you know, the actual hormone treatments and everything. Really, it's difficult to do, is what you're telling me. Somebody can't just identify as trans and suddenly like that are included in sports, you say. Interesting. This dude is a joke. He came out here and and said this in front of an audience and everything to play in some of the ladies' leagues. But in any case, it turned into this. So explain. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that you have to understand is that uh, I was getting ready to leave the country to go make our Pendragon series on July 9th. And somewhere about mid-March, I thought, wouldn't it be great if between today and July 9th, we wrote and produced an entire feature film? And so... Between March and July, they wrote and produced a feature film in four months okay yeah the the crane boys mentioned the idea that you had given them and and it'd been in the back of my mind that you know we really should be making the movies that only we can make in fact i think it's a line that you had had come up with what are the things that only we can do and so i i thought well obviously there has not been a true comedy made since barack obama became president there hasn't been a comedy made since Obama? What? Obama killed comedy, boys. Pack it up. No more comedy. It's not allowed. I mean, Barack Obama destroyed 
three things. Rock and roll, comedy, and America. What? How did Obama destroy any of those things? This is insane. These people are in an alternate reality. This is absolute. like, I can't even believe that they're saying this. Like, all the way back when Obama was the president, there's a little culture war issue that Republicans decided to lean into. It was the war on Christmas. I don't know if you guys are paying attention to politics at the time. I wasn't. I feel like I, I remember hearing something about, oh, people aren't allowed to say Merry Christmas anymore. But every time I walked through the stores, people were saying Merry Christmas. So it's like, w what are they even talking about? On the left is a QAnoner named Delora O'Brien, extremist nutcase, Putin lover, self self-proclaimed. I'm not just saying this. Like, these are things that she identifies as. Uh, well, the, the Putin lover thing is anyway. And on the right is Rachel Ham. She ran for Secretary of State for California. She lost, but she's also a QAnon or nutcase and an evangelical and all that. Do you remember when uh, uh, Obama was president? And for those eight years, we were having a hard time saying Merry Christmas? Ugh, yeah. No, you don't, because that never happened. <laughs> How Things have changed. No, they haven't. They're exactly the same as they've ever been. It's the same with these guys right here. Obama didn't stop Christmas. He didn't wage a war on the term Merry Christmas. He didn't end rock and roll. He didn't hurt America or whatever the hell that meant. He didn't, uh, what was the other, he didn't kill comedy. Stop blaming Obama for your problems. That is insane. Get a grip on reality, people. Three things. Rock and roll, comedy, and America. <laughs> that was the, other than that, he was a perfectly average president, you know, but. He didn't kill any of those things. These people need help for real. They live in another reality. It, it became impossible to tell a joke during the Obama administration. How? How was it impossible to tell a joke? I don't understand. Anyways, Matt Walsh decided to go on Piers Morgan to talk about the film Lady Ballers, you know, the film that was completely irrelevant because as it turns out, none of these things are problems. I think that sports teams or not team, but sports leagues, in my opinion, should be able to decide based off of evidence and everything else whether or not trans people are allowed in to compete with whatever, with, with cis people. And almost universally, and I don't know of any case that this, that, that this doesn't apply to, I'm going to say universally, as far as I know, all of the sports leagues have decided that trans people can play with the cis people because their hormone levels and their everything else bring them down to an exact equal comparative level. They are effectively, they are women. Trans women are women. And every sports league that I know of has affirmed that and agreed with that. And, you know, this movie was created to call out the idea that sports leagues are like just allowing anybody in. It's not happening. It's a completely irrelevant movie. I couldn't possibly care less about sports. You know, and I don't even know anything about sports, truthfully. So I'm just going to lean on whatever the experts say. And the experts are saying, you know, trans women are women and they can compete with women. And it's 100 percent fair. So I'm down. Let's do it. Listen to uh, Matt Walsh here. Just make things up to support his already existing biases and fears. 
Lady Ballers is the brilliant new movie from Brilliant, okay. You guys at Daily Wise, take a look at a little clip. Oh yeah, this is the uh, the trailer we watched a minute ago. You get the idea. So let's just jump to their commentary on it. <laughs> I mean, it's a brilliant idea. Wow, that was a forced laugh. Um, first of all, why did you make it? The reason why the movie exists is pretty simple. It's, number one, it's a really funny idea, and it's also it's 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 the kind of it's the kind of movie that needs to exist. Like this really, it needs to exist because there are so many trans athletes out there stealing titles from people. Right? Totally, totally. With absolutely no hormones, and they're, they're just identifying. Suddenly, they're like, "Oh, I want to win in a women's league, so I'm going to pretend to be a woman and just walk in here with absolutely no preparation, with no work with a therapist, no hormone treatments, no nothing. Just going to walk in here and do it, right? Totally. This, this whole mm -hmm. concept of men competing against women in women's sports is absurd. It's it's ridiculous. It is it's laughable. And, um, you know, if this kind of thing was happening 25 years ago, there would probably be a comedy like this made about it. But these days, yes. uh, well, they don't really make comedies anymore at all, but they certainly aren't going to make a comedy. They don't make comedies anymore? Again, what are they talking about? Barbie was a comedy, and I thought that was hilarious. What are you talking about? There are no comedies since Obama. What? They certainly aren't going to make a comedy making fun of this. So, so uh, we did. And the truth is that it, it really takes the whole argument on the pro-trans athlete side to its logical conclusion. You know, OK, this is interesting what he's saying here. Logical conclusion. Keep that phrase in mind. OK, the trans argument to its logical conclusion. Keep that in the back of your head. Pro-trans athlete side to its logical conclusion. You know, I've always when I've interviewed politicians who don't want to uh, speak common sense about this, I say, well, OK, so if you have limitless self-identity and anyone can say I'm now female what happens if Usain Bolt or Floyd Mayweather decide they want to be a woman could would you be happier than competing against biological females in women's sport and they always have to say yes who is they peers who are you talking about who is this fictional individual or group or entity or whatever who thinks that Floyd Mayweather should be able to compete against, I don't know, the Women's League or whatever. If you noticed, he used an interesting term there, logical conclusion. In law, there's something called a bright line rule. Nearly everything in society is on a spectrum, right? Like, how drunk are you? How drunk is too drunk to drive in a car? Usually the limit, I think, is 0.08. Is that right? 0.08% blood alcohol content? Is that federal? Is that state? I don't know. That's the bright line that's been drawn. That's the line in the sand. You cannot, you're not more drunk at 0.081 than you are at 0.079. They're effectively the same, but there's a line there that we draw because it's a spectrum. You're not going to be a better driver at 15 years old and 11 months or a worse driver at that age than you are at 16 years and one month but there's a bright line at 16 years old you can't get your license before that point in some states what's the bright line for gay marriage two consenting adults bright line that is who is allowed to get married that's who's allowed to do whatever do anything so following things through to their logical conclusion the way that Piers is suggesting here is not how anything works. That's not how law works. That's not how philosophy works. That's not how any of this has ever worked. 
Why are you talking about taking it to its logical conclusion? Yeah, why do we let men and women get married? Before you know it, they're going to be marrying animals. They're going to be having like 16 wives if a man and a woman can get married. Unacceptable. There's a bright line there. If, if you can drink alcohol while you're driving, even a little bit, even one beer, just think about the logical conclusion to that. People are going to drink 20 beers before getting in their car and driving if they're allowed to do that. Not so long ago, there were people complaining about drunk driving, too. There were, it was not always illegal to drive drunk in the United States. Still, any attempt to restrict drinking and driving here is viewed by some as downright undemocratic. It's kind of getting common this when a fella can't put in a hard day's work, put in 11, 12 hours a day, and then get in your truck and at least drink one or two beers. This is funny in retrospect, right? We're making it laws where you can't drink when you want to. You can't. You have to wear a seat belt when you're driving. The gall. Pretty soon we're going to become this country. <laughs> Things have not changed, have they, in all these years? Anyways, the point is, there's a bright line there. The bright line for drinking and driving is .08. The bright line for... I don't know. What was it he was even complaining about in the first place? We may with it decide they want to be a woman. Right. Who can decide who wants to play in which leagues or whatever? Well, the leagues have decided that. The leagues have decided trans women can compete with cis women as long as their, I don't know, like estrogen and testosterone levels are roughly equivalent or something to that effect. I don't know what rule they have, but it allows for trans people to compete with cis people. I'm perfectly fine with that. The leagues have decided that it's fair, and I, I don't see why anybody cares otherwise. If Floyd Mayweather wanted to compete in the women's league, Floyd Mayweather would have to start taking hormones to bring his hormone level down to that of a woman, roughly his size and age and whatever else. At that point, I'd be okay with Floyd Mayweather competing against women. Honestly, why do we even have people categorized into men and women? in sports uh, maybe there's a reason maybe i'm just not like aware of it i've been paying attention i don't know i don't know maybe there are some inherent advantages to men i have no clue it seems to me though a better option or a better strategy would to be to, uh, would be to combine men and women and separate it by like weight or something like that instead i don't know i i, I know nothing about it i'm just throwing out ideas this guy is just throwing out logical fallacies. It's called the slippery slope fallacy, by the way. What happens if Usain Bolt or Floyd Mayweather decide they want to be a woman? Could, would you be happier than competing against biological females in women's sport? And totally, absolutely. As long as they took the hormones to bring themselves down to a, a level that was roughly equivalent. Yeah, absolutely. But he's trying to get people, and he's implying at the very least, that people say yes, unqualified, just Crossboard, yes. Mayweather wants to compete against women. Yes, he can. That's not what anybody has ever said, to my knowledge. Women's sport. And they always have to say yes. And it's always completely preposterous. Floyd May Mayweather would kill women. At his current hormone level, yes. In a ring. And Usain Bolt would win the 100 meters women's Olympic final by about 99 meters. I mean, it's... Okay, I don't even know if that's true or why. I don't know. Why is running separated into gender? I have no clue but whatever. An absurdity, which this film brilliantly lampoons, but is actually true. No, it's not. And the owner of The Daily Wire admits it. 
He admits it's BS. Yes. I, I originally went to them and I said, you guys should like go try out for a bunch of ladies leagues. And that became not possible because as it turns out, most ladies leagues don't allow in actual Birds. men. You don't say. This whole thing is fabricated. Is these Do these people know the Bright Line rule? I get the impression that, well, I, I wonder, does, does Matt Walsh know the Bright Line rule? And then I got to thinking, this guy didn't even know how many trans-affirming surgeries there were for minors or people under 18, whatever. He had no idea when asked. He was asked, wait, it was on Joe Rogan, right? I don't want to play the Joe Rogan clip because Joe Rogan goes after people for copyright and stuff all the time, but... Joe Rogan invited conservative pundit Matt Walsh onto his podcast to chat about gender issues, but the latter got schooled live on air after making the claim that millions of children are on hormone blockers. Millions of children. Walsh is a Daily Wire host who recently released a documentary, What is a Woman? Attempts to poke holes in arguments surrounding transgender and gender issues. In his appearance on Joe Rogan on Monday, which is, when was this? This is uh, November 8th, 2022. Some of Walsh's comments got debunked by one of the podcast's producers. How many people have had this done? Rogan asked at one point in the podcast, referencing the blockers. Depends on what. I don't think we have exact numbers, but it's if we're talking about the drugs, it's, I mean, millions, Walsh answered. Millions of kids have been on hormone blockers. Really, he said. I'm sure someone's going to fact check me on it, but my guess is that we're in we're into the millions now at this point. Shortly after the podcast producer displayed a Reuters story on a projection screen showing that although it could be an undercount, 4,780 children with a prior gender dysphoria diagnosis have been put on the blockers over the past five years. Five years. It's things like this that make me wonder, does he know he's full of it? Is he aware of how stupid the things that he's saying are? Or is he, is he a true believer? I'm starting to think he might just be a true believer. Just completely gone. Like, his his mind is gone from all the propaganda. The victim of propaganda has now become the perpetrator. Absurdity, which this film brilliantly lampoons, but is actually true. It's not true. It is true, which is why... you don't. It's not. You don't have to work that hard to make fun of it, and you don't even have to exaggerate that much uh you know this is one of the things that actually maybe it makes satire difficult these days is that the reality itself is so ridiculous it's not ben shapiro knows that does he not know that but uh, it's usually in satire you're taking something uh you're, you're taking the logic to an extreme extent to show how ridiculous it is but in this case we you know all you're doing is this is what's actually happening it's not happening it's not actually happening you know what's happening in this case in this case, they believe that reality is completely different than it actually is. So they try to satirize something that's already satirical and ridiculous. How do you create a satirical representation or a satirical perspective on something that's already absolutely out of this world absurd? In real life. And I think that what you said there is key, though. You said that they that they have to. You were talking to someone who supports men and women's sports mm -hmm. they, they they have to they have to go along with it they have to agree to whatever oh. absurd scenario you throw at them and they really do they have to no i don't i don't have to agree to anything if floyd mayweather wanted to compete in women's leagues i would be fine with that if he had the appropriate level of hormones 
Why? I mean, that that's not difficult. Why is that so hard for him to understand? Well, look, I'm not the only one saying this. This is something that people say all the time on the left. How is it that he's in this field dealing with these issues and never heard that? How is it that he's been he made a whole documentary? What is a woman and had no idea how many people were actually affected by this? He thought it was millions. It's four thousand. 780 over a five-year period. I don't understand how this guy is so deep into a bubble when this is like his whole job to like operate outside of that bubble. I think that the number of people who really None. deep down believe that it's fair and right for biological males to compete against females in sports, I mean, the number of people is, is vanishingly small. But on the left, they've basically boxed themselves into a corner, and so they have to... Me? I, I've boxed myself, boxed myself into a corner? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. My ideals and beliefs and principles are completely consistent across the board. This guy seems to think that reality is something completely different than it is because he apparently doesn't talk to anybody outside of his weird little bubble. Defend this, and we should make them defend it whilst simultaneously trying to pretend that they are pro-women's rights. I mean, that's the absurdity. Uh, now we're going down the turf road where you have to be anti-trans if you're going to be a feminist. Absurd. Oh, because, you know, Piers Morgan fancies himself a feminist, right? And so does uh, Matt Walsh over here. These two guys, the bastions of feminism, right? They really care about women's rights. So they're going to stand up for women's rights against trans people all of a sudden for the first time in their lives. When it's convenient to use it to attack another group, they will pick up any banner. Because, of course, it's women's rights to fairness and equality that are being dismantled at this altar of virtue signaling. Careful, that sounded like communist talk right there. Nonsense. And, and they're also the people that have claimed in the past to care so much about about maintaining women's sports. I mean, that's what Title IX was supposed to be about. You know, I, people often accuse me on the left. They'll say that. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Did you say Title IX was designed to protect women's sports? I don't remember what Title IX is. Let me look. Oh, right, right, right. I remember this. Title IX, the most commonly used name for the landmark federal civil rights law in the U.S., is enacted as part of the Education Amendments of 1972. Prohibits sex-based discrimination in any school or any other education program that receives funding from the federal government. Is he complaining about an anti-discrimination law right now? It sounds like that's what he's doing. He's complaining about the fact that he can't discriminate against people. About maintaining women's sports. I mean, that's what Title IX was supposed to be about. It I don't even know what he's talking about. I, people often accuse me on the left. They'll say that, they'll say, well, you don't even care about women's sports that much. You're just No, he doesn't. He doesn't give a shit about any of this. You think this guy cares about anything? No, he cares about attacking a group and whatever tactic he can use to get there whatever he can use to convince people that this group is evil he'll do it let me tell you why i care about this issue this women's sports issue the truth is i don't i don't actually care i have no investment in sports at all i know nothing about it i don't even know how to play football i never watched it when i was young jehovah's witnesses kind of had a stigma against it because it was created as a method of I don't know, military strategy and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I never got involved in sports. I couldn't possibly care less about this. But I do know that the far right has always used little wedges like this 
to get in the door. Let me give you one example. It's the same example I give every single time this comes up. I'm going to give it again. In the 1950s, segregation was still in full effect. There were some towns that were desegregating. Well, in, in the 50s, there's this town where a black family moved in because segregation had ended for the town, I guess. And the townspeople were outraged. You know why? Because the KKK, the right-wing group in the area, came in and started passing out little leaflets and stuff, little tracts at the local elementary, middle, and high school to scare people as much as they possibly could. And what did they say to scare people? They didn't go with something absolutely reprehensible, like black people are inferior to white people and shouldn't live with them. No, they don't take that tactic because they know that independents, people in the center, and to the left of them generally, aren't going to like that. People to the left of hunting the homeless for sport don't care if black people want to live with white people, back then even. So what did they do to get people whipped into a blood frenzy? They went with something that they thought might be able to scare the shit out of everybody, including the left. They went to these schools, elementary, middle, high school, and told the kids if integration happened, if segregation came to an end, they would be forced to marry a black person as part of the integration process. You won't be able to marry a white person. You must marry a black person. Some of the people are definitely against integration. And they have told my children that they have to marry. And my child doesn't even know what a is, but from the sound, it has scared them and they have come home just crying. <clears throat> Mommy, do I have to marry Negroes? And my answer in handling all the fears that children come in is that you can marry who, whomever you wish. Oh, except for uh, another dude. Anyway, the point is, the strategy has always been, don't go with what you really want because nobody else really wants that. Don't go with black people shouldn't be allowed to live among white people because they're less than white people. Don't go with that one. Go with something that everybody can agree with. Everybody. Nobody should be forced to marry somebody that they don't want to marry. Go with something that's roughly in the middle, even if it's not happening. Floyd Mayweather should not be allowed to compete in a women's league. Well, nobody wants Floyd Mayweather to compete in a women's league. What are you even talking about? That's not even allowed right now. Literally nobody wants that. But you know what saying that does? It opens the door for people to create outrage over the facts that this is happening over the fact that this is being debated when it's not. It was never debated. They're trying to push it a little bit further over the line into something that's not representative of reality so that, so that they can get everybody on their side when ultimately what they want, when I say they, I mean Matt Walsh and The Daily Wire. I'm talking about The Daily Wire. What they want, as evidenced by their documentary, What is a Woman?, is to destroy trans people. It is to ban being trans at all. They call it a mental illness. Let me show you somebody at the Daily Wire, Michael Knowles. This is uh, Michael Knowles' CPAC speech from 2023. Yeah, March 4th, 2023. If men really can't become women, as they cannot, then it's false for everybody, too. And if it's false, then we should not indulge it especially since that indulgence 
requires taking away the rights and customs of so many people. It doesn't. This is what I'm talking about. You are infringing on my rights by trying to be trans. I have a right to not have to see. No, you don't. We live in a society. We all live together. You have to deal with the fact that everybody has their own lives and their own ideals and uh, morals and opinions and whatever. And you don't have a right to trample on mine. But no, he's going to go with the old tactic, the same one the KKK used. You are hurting me by being equal to me. When all you know is privilege, equality feels like oppression. Taking away the rights and customs of so many people. If it is false, then for the good of society, and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this confusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. The whole preposterous ideology. At That's genocidal language. Every level. I, I don't know how else to take that. So you wanted to know what they want, what the Daily Wire wants, what their end goal is, their intent? Eradicate transgenderism from society. Anyway, these people deeply, deeply need help. It's bizarre to see somebody use the exact same tactics as the KKK and not be 100% sure if they know they're propagandizing or not. Like, is Matt Walsh aware I don't know for sure. Let me know what you think about it in the comments. Is Matt Walsh aware that he's just straight up wrong about everything? Tell me what you think. Next up, Bill Cook is a MAGA preacher. He seems to believe Trump is anointed by God. He's a self-proclaimed Christian nationalist. He's been repeating some deeply bizarre things recently, so I want to break down the strangest claims he's made. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send me an email instead, go to owenmorgan.com. Hit the contact me button in the menu and send me a message that way. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out my Patreon and check out my website and email list for early access to uncensored, ad-free, complete videos. All links are in the description. Nothing would cure election fraud like a couple of people dropping dead in the moment. <laughs> this is MAGA preacher Bill Cook on the left, seemingly advocating for violence. I like I don't know how else to take that. This dude is unglued from reality for real. So I want to talk about some of the things that he's had to say recently and historically. I have some clips from like you know, months, even years ago, about the things that he believes. Now, when I say MAGA preacher, I mean that he is effectively part of what appears to be like a Trump religion, a Trump cult. And he's convinced that there was election fraud in 2020 and Trump is supposed to be the president, blah, 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 all of that, you know. Listen to what he had to say here. This is from early January 2024. It's about election fraud that he believes is happening right now. You read about what happened to Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 when they lied to the Holy Spirit. They were both struck dead by God in the instant. And we're going to... Why are we bringing religion into this equation exactly? We're talking about politics, right? Isn't he talking about politics right now? Where did religion get shoehorned into this equation? This guy brought religion in during a conversation about Donald Trump. This happens entirely too often. It's bizarre. God in the instant. And we're going to bring that story to bear on everyone who's involved in election fraud. We're gonna be saying to them, beware when you do this because you might just find yourself standing before God a lot more, a lot sooner than you thought. And be careful when you commit election fraud because you might just die, is what he's saying. You might find yourself in front of God sooner than you thought. That's psychotic. Than you thought. 
and it's not going to be a happy time when you do. So um, nothing would cure election fraud like a couple of people dropping dead in the moment. <laughs> that is psychotic. Funny enough, I mean, uh, funny, I don't know what's funny about this, but ironically, at least, most of the people who committed election fraud were Republicans in 2020. There was, to my knowledge, not one case of voter fraud committed by a Democrat. I looked pretty hard. Somebody had a bounty up. I don't know. It was like a million dollars or something if they could uncover the voter fraud. And nobody uncovered any voter fraud except from Republicans. That guy who put up that bounty eventually settled out of court when a Republican was presented as evidence of voter fraud. Settled for like 50 grand or something. But, you know, facts don't matter to these people. Facts do care about these people's feelings, apparently. Anyway, so let me show you a couple more clips, give you an idea of who this person is. This is from early January 2024. Bill Cook, once again, check it out. And so I want to say to my friends in the FBI. He has friends in the FBI? I doubt it. Keep doing it. Because death is about to execute a no-knock warrant on you. On you. He's talking about January 6th. Keep investigating January 6th. If you keep investigating, death is going to execute a no-knock warrant on you. Because death is about to execute a no-knock warrant on you. On you, He's going to invade your domicile, this body, and take you out of it. And when he does, you're going to stand before God. And it's, it's, it's not going to be pleasant. You're going to Again, we're talking about politics. We're talking about the FBI investigating a political thing, a, a riot. Why is he bringing God into the equation? It's not going to be pleasant. You're going to see the love of God, but it's only going to be for a fleeting second. When God's finished with you, he will, he will send you to your eternal destination, eternal hell. How is this not like a direct threat of violence? I guess he's not telling somebody that he's going to blah, or he's not instructing somebody to go blah. He's not doing that. So maybe it's not a direct threat of violence, but this is about as close as it gets without being an outright threat, right? Jesus, dude. Well, I went in search of more clips from this guy because, holy Christ on a cracker, this is some wild stuff. Check this one out. This is also from January, early January 2024, as far as I can tell. Dude on the left is Matt Shea. I'll talk about him in a second. Dude on the right's Bill Cook. The idea that, that there's separation of church and state, the way that it's been, been manipulated by leaders in our government is- Manipulated. Absurd. It's absurd, it is a fraud, and it is tyranny. Separation of church and state is tyranny. It absolutely is. And it's is. Time, that every, time that every person, every pastor who loves liberty, who loves religious freedom, stands up and says, no, we aren't doing it anymore. We're not, we're not playing this game of separation of church and state anymore. If we value liberty, we have to, we have to fight. And we have to stand against this absurdity, this absurdity called separation of church and state. We may not like it. It may go contrary to our flesh and nature, but we have to do it. It's what God Holy shit, dude. This is insane. It, we may not like it. may go contrary to our nature, but we have to do it. Is he saying what I think he's saying? It, it may go contrary to our flesh and nature, but we have to do it. It's what God says to do. Jesus sent his disciples into the world to preach the gospel of the kingdom, his kingdom. And we're called to obey him in whatever we do. So yeah, I can't imagine that there's a government on earth that's contrary to the kingdom of God. Well, if it is, it's not, it's not a government. So No, it's not. It's not a government. Wow. So 
it's not a government if it does not perfectly align with what God wants. It's illegitimate and as such is free to be taken over by real governments, which are governments that are aligned with God. Not just any God, though. It has to be the Christian God and not just a Christian one. It has to be the evangelical extremist nutcase God that hates everybody for everything, hates gay people, hates, uh, you know, integration, hates blah, 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 everything. As I said, Matt Shea on the left here, uh, he is insane in his own right. He was actually a uh, congressman. I think he was a, a state congressman for Washington State, I believe. Yeah, I got his uh, little thing pulled up here. He was kicked out of the legislature because he was collaborating with domestic terrorists and feeding information to them. I'm not even joking. Matt Shea is an American far-right lawyer, pastor, and politician. A Republican, he represented the 4th Legislative District in the Washington House of Representatives from 2009 to 2021. A 2019 report published by the Washington House of Representatives accused Shea of domestic terrorism in relation to his role in a series of standoffs with federal authorities. I'll tell you what happened. Um, there was this, I don't know if you guys remember this forever ago, I, maybe 2012 or something, there was a group of people who took over a federal building in Oregon, I believe. And the FBI was working the case and trying to get them to stand down in a hostage negotiation, blah, blah, blah. Matt Shea worked with the FBI and got information from them and, from, and used his position as a congressman to get information to feed back to the domestic terrorists so they could more effectively fight the federal government. I'm not even joking. He should be in jail for that, right? Why is this guy not in jail? Oh, yeah, not to mention his biblical basis for war manifesto. We'll take a, a look at that in a minute. But an investigation commissioned by Washington House of Representatives reported on December 1st, 2019, that Shea had planned and participated in domestic terrorism on at least three occasions. This included his participation, organizing, planning, and promotion of the 2014 Bundy standoff in Nevada. That's the one I was talking about. The 2015 armed standoff in Priest River, Idaho, and the 2016 armed seizure of the Mal Malheur National Wildlife Refuge in Harney County, Oregon. Shea led a delegation of right-wing legislators from Oregon, Washington, and Idaho that met with law enforcement on January 9th, 2016 in Burns, Oregon, and were appraised of confidential intended law enforcement strategies for dealing with the refuge occupiers. Shea then disclosed those details to Bundy, according to the report. Not only is he a domestic terrorist, he, in my opinion, committed treason, right? Is that not treason against U.S. government? There is a standoff, a rebellion, an insurrection, if you will, against the U.S. government that was being put down by the federal government and a member of the federal government, or I'm sorry, a member of the government, not the federal one, but the state government, used his position to counter the federal government's efforts to put down this insurrection. Is that not giving aid or comfort to an enemy of the United States, a self-proclaimed enemy? Is that not treason? What is treason if not that? I haven't even talked about his biblical basis for war nonsense. I mean, this is who we're dealing with. These types of people right now. This is Bill Cook and Matt Shea hanging out together. Yeah, here's the biblical basis for war. Uh, one, God is a warrior. Two, when is the time for war? When God says it's time. Prayer council. And who says that God said it's time? Well, Matt Shea does, of course. Fight to win so you don't have to fight again. 
Four things to stay within God's will. A holy cause, a holy leader, a holy army, and a holy camp. I mean, he outlined, you know, assassinations when it's appropriate. He outlined how a, an army should be structured, the whole nine yards. The law of booty. One half went to those who fought. One half went to those who didn't. Divide evenly to the individuals. Each gives tribute to the Lord. Tithe to the church and ministry. None of uh, none to the government removes temptation to fight. May use your part to give to those who helped. Commanders received the same portion. If they received a greater portion, then they would have an incentive to fight. This is who we're talking about right now. This is who we're dealing with. This is psychotic. Take a look at this one from Bill Cook. And essentially what, what Jesus told the apostles, the, uh, the, the 11, was go into all my realm, preach this good news, preach the, preach the gospel of liberty, command them to obey me, basically institute the government of God throughout every square inch of the earth. So why do we think the gospel's not political? It is political, which is why our enemies know it's political, and that's why they seek to destroy the church and exterminate Christianity all over the earth. I don't want to exterminate Christianity. I don't want to destroy the church. I don't want any of that stuff. I want you to live peacefully with me. You know how we do that? We have a government that doesn't favor you more than me or me more than you. We have a government that makes sure everybody is equal. Christian nationalist nutcases, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Hindu, Muslim, Sikh, Buddhist, everybody should be equal. You shouldn't be persecuted for being Christian, and I shouldn't be persecuted for not being Christian. But this guy doesn't want that. What he's saying is the Bible tells him to take control of the government and make sure it's not secular. Make sure that it gives favor to the Christian side, to his side, not just Christian, but Christian evangelical nutcases. He doesn't want a secular state. He wants a state in which he is supreme and he controls everything. He has supremacy, if you will. If COVID was, one, was anything, it was an effort to exterminate Christendom throughout the earth. And uh, Christendom, if you're unfamiliar, is a term for like bad interpretations of religion, uh, bad interpretations of Christianity. And who decides if a group is part of Christendom? Well, Bill Cook does, of course. And the, the strategy continues. So COVID was an attempt to kill Bill Cook's enemies, his political enemies. This is nuts. We are called as the church to govern. No, you're not. You're called as the church. Well, maybe you're a little community. So that's fine. You are called as the church to feed the poor and help people give it you know what jesus said when i was thirsty you gave me something to drink when i was hungry you gave me something to eat the parable of the sheep and goats this is how he says you get into the kingdom of god as a matter of fact be good to your fellow man help people and what is bill cook doing instead trying to impose rules and beliefs and laws on people that jesus never said anything about never mentioned any of the stuff. He didn't say anything about hating gay people. He didn't say anything about controlling the country that you're in or any of that. Guy lives in a fantasy land where he is the king. For the record, um, he calls himself a member of the Black Robe Regiment. You can see it in the corner here, top left, Black Robe Regiment. 
I think that's the name of the podcast. I'm not sure. Anyway, he's a Black Robe Regiment preacher. Uh, I hear you saying, where? what does Black Robe Regiment mean? And I'll tell you. Black Robe Regiment is a reference to pastors who wore their pastoral robes or whatever back during the Revolutionary War. When the preaching was over, they take their robes off and they train their church to be an autonomous militia. They supply the church with guns and food, you know, rations, supplies, helmets, everything, and send them out onto the front lines. They train them to be a full-blown militia, which can be used by somebody when the moment is right. Except the, the Black Robe Regiment didn't exist. It was a fabrication by David Barton. The term didn't even exist until the 1990s when David Barton released his book about it. Take a look at this. This was posted on Twitter by Right Wing Watch, who did some heavy investigation into this. The Black Robe Regiment was not an actual detachment in the Continental Army, but rather a British epithet for the influence preachers exerted in support of the Patriot cause. Advocates of the British Crown found preachers' support of the Patriot cause particularly detrimental to their efforts to maintain loyalty among the colonists. Such clergymen provided sanction for the cause of independence as well as formal support for the military effort. In the 1770s, most colonists still considered themselves aligned with England. Many parishioners questioned the fundamental legitimacy of revolution and of separating from Britain and consequently the Church of England. From their pulpits, these members of the Black Robe Regiment reassured their audiences that their revolution was justified in the eyes of God. Winning and maintaining the support of the population was critical in the American War for Independence, which relied heavily on the support of volunteers and the general population. So, the Black Robe Regiment was an epithet used against preachers of the time. It was not preachers pulling off their robes and training their church to be an army or a, a militia the way that Bill Cook wants it to be or thinks that it was or whatever. Here's another quote here. David Barton's article on the original Black Robe Regiment appears to be typical of his approach. It proffers an impressive number of footnotes, 101 in all. On closer examination, however, those citations don't add up to so much. Footnote 66, for example, is simply a repetition of footnote 1 when Barton, re when Barton returns to the phrase Black Regiment. But that set of sources doesn't actually offer evidence for the essay's first sentence. The Black Robed Regiment was the name that the British placed on the courageous and patriotic American clergy during the founding era, a backhanded reference to the black robes they wore. Footnote 1. In fact, Google Books can't find the phrase Black Robed Regiment from any source prior to this century. It appears that Barton made it up inadvertently or on purpose based on the actual period phrase Black Regiment, which this person discussed tomorrow. It was a, a regiment that was made up of black people that basically, I think they were from Massachusetts, middle, 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 had nothing to do with any of that. So anyways, uh, Black Robe Regiment was completely made up is the point. These these people literally built militia groups off of propagandistic lies. Makes you wonder if they really just wanted to build the militia and were looking for a justification for a... Uh, God, what's the word? It starts with a P. Not precursor, not predecessor. Looking for a... God, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, looking for a justification is the bottom line. Let me give you a little bit more insight into Matt Shea. That guy we were talking about a minute ago who was talking to Bill Cook. Listen to this guy. This one is from late September 2023. 
If the word is supposed to rule over the nations, and who is the word? Your mother. You see how, how people miss this? You, you, watch this. If he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords over all nations, then the Lord is supposed to rule over all nations. Then the word is supposed to rule over all nations. I didn't, scripture says it. Okay, if that's the case, then my nationalism is not being driven out of some weird thing of trying to conquer the world like. Oh, no, it absolutely is. I, I don't care what is being driven out of. That's what it is now. It's this weird desire to conquer the world. Whether, like, I don't know what you're basing it on or whatever. It doesn't matter. Thing of trying to conquer the world like, I don't know, the Nazis, the National Socialists. Okay, it's kind of weird that he just said that he wants to conquer the world like the Nazis did. Did anyone else catch that? He said, it's not like... I have a desire to do that. My nationalism isn't born out of my desire to do that. I, it's not because I'm trying to. It's because the Bible says that I should conquer the world like the Nazis tried to. Why did he bring Nazis into the equation like that? What? My love of God and my love for his word is the source of my nationalism. There it is. My nationalism isn't born out of some weird thing, like I want to be like the Nazis. My desire to be like the Nazis comes from God's word. Yeah, I don't think God's word told you to be like the Nazis. Source of my nationalism. Because I want to see it rule. Anyway, these people need help desperately. I was talking about David Barton a minute ago. This is him right here on screen. If you never heard of him, you never seen him before, whatever, this is him. He's talking to Kenneth Copeland here. You have no idea how influential this guy is. Oh, my God. He is behind the scenes everywhere, pulling levers for everything. Every piece of propaganda that you've heard out of the far right Christian evangelical movement probably passed through him, at least at some point. He claims to be an expert in what is it? He, I think he says uh, an expert in const in the Constitution or something to that effect. He has a bachelor's degree from a Christian university four-year degree from a Christian university in biblical studies, I think, from 1970-something. He's not an expert in anything. Uh, what's more, if he knew a lot about this subject, you know, even without the degree, I suppose if he's extremely knowledgeable, I, I could extend that olive branch of you're an expert in this. But he's, he doesn't know anything about it. He lies about it constantly, straight up lies. He doesn't even seem to know anything about the Bible, let alone the Constitution. Listen to what he says here to Kenneth Copeland. First off, let's just make it real clear, and we can talk about it later in the week. Please. Retirement is not a biblical concept. No, it is not. That is a pagan concept that comes from the Babylonian system. If you want to live in Egypt, you want to live in Babylon, great, retire. God's people, God is, that is not a model. So we can talk. Boy, it would be embarrassing if there was a Bible verse that directly contradicted what he just said, wouldn't it? And that brings me to Numbers 8, 23 to 26. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This applies to the Levites. From 25 years old and upwards, they shall begin to do duty in the service of the tent of meeting. And from the age of 50 years, they shall retire. Huh! Check that out. The word there. Retire. They shall retire from the duty of the service and serve no more. 
Boy, that guy has some egg on his face now, doesn't he? He lies constantly. Did he know that the, that was in the Bible? I don't know if he knew. I don't think he cared. I think he says whatever is convenient to him whenever it's convenient, and that's all there is to it. There's nothing deeper. It was convenient for him to say that the Bible doesn't talk about retirement. It's convenient because it bolsters his credibility. Oh, he knows this special thing that nobody else knew. And I, what is he trying to do? I guess try to prevent people from retiring? I have no idea. When the entire thing's made up. That is his MO. He just makes things up and finds justifications for it after the fact. Prerequisite was the word I was looking for earlier, by the way. Somebody said in the chat. Thank you for that. Prerequisite. The guy's just completely full of it. Fascinating part. Many people may not know this about David Barton, but in 2015, I think, he was appointed to lead a super PAC for Ted Cruz. And when Ted Cruz withdrew from the race, that super PAC automatically defaulted to Donald Trump. It, it started running ads for the Republican Party. Republican Party's nominee was Trump, so it was running Trump ads. That meant David Barton is the head of a Trump super PAC. I don't know if he is now, if he's retired from it or what. Well, I don't know. I have no idea if he's still involved in that, but he was in 2016. This guy helped Trump get elected directly, and he is responsible for just a disproportionate amount of propaganda out of the Christian movement today. It's crazy. I would be tempted to take that extra step and say he is one of the most harmful multicellular organisms alive today. One of, not the most, but he's up there. Anyway, let me know what you think about this in the comments. These people need help desperately. This is nuts. To call yourself a black robe regiment preacher, try to train a military, turn your church into a military. Like, what's wrong with you people? My God. Let me know what you think about it in the comments. That's all I've got for you. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, don't forget to check me out on Patreon. And take a look at my YouTube channels. Owen Morgan, where I talk about religious issues. Telltale Fireside Chat, where I talk about politics. Telltale Unfiltered, where I do long-form breakdowns of stuff like this. And Telltale Reads, where I read books by televangelists and others. I release everything in parts, but every part stands independently of the last. So you can jump in anywhere and I'll make sure it makes sense. You can find some ad-free, uncensored, complete versions of all my videos on my website, owenmorgan.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list to get early access to everything. All links are in the description. Okay, thanks for watching, guys.